Hi, everybody. I'm Lynn Petrak, Senior Editor at Progressive Grocer, and welcome to Top of Women in Grocery, a podcast focused on the trends, topic, and interests that move women forward in the grocery retail space. We spotlight extraordinary women in our industry who've had successful careers and interesting lives and who make a positive impact on their workplaces and their communities. Today, we're not talking to just one, but two top women in grocery. That's Jen Han and Kathy Swigert. Kathy is a Top Woman in Grocery Award winner twice, 2016 and 2022, and she is Director of Human Resources at The Giant Company, an omnichannel grocer known to its customers as Giant Martins, Giant Heirloom Market, Giant Direct, and Martins Direct that has been serving families across Pennsylvania, Maryland, Virginia, West Virginia, and New Jersey since 1923. So 100th year, big year for you. At Giant, at the Giant Company, Kathy brings 25 years of experience to her role. She's been a team member since 2000 and held several roles in the company, from an entry-level part-time cashier position to store manager, human resources business partner, and regional operations director. She serves on the board of directors of the Blair County Action Program, providing rent support, housing for the homeless, utility support, and many other services. She also served as executive advisor to Giant's Care Business Resource Group, an internal committee uh, that supports working parents and caregivers. Additionally, she's an active member of the Link BRG, hope I pronounced that right, um, which is focused on developing individual growth of women leaders, supporting business ideas and local communities. She was also honored as an FMI Store Manager of the Year in 2018, and the YWCA of Harrisburg is a woman of excellence. Thank you. Jen, you. Is, <laughs> welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And Jen is the founder and CEO of J Recruiting Services, where she and her team partner with large retail brands to provide top talent. She started her professional career as a district manager for a top 10 global retailer and led operations teams for five years. Um, She went on to lead sales teams and eventually landed in recruiting. As she began recruiting, it became evident, and I love this, that she found her zone of genius. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which we're going to hear uh, a little bit more about later. And in 2017, she founded J Recruiting Services to provide recruiting services to the business that she knows and loves retail. Uh, today, as the CEO, she leads her team to fill retail positions in store operations, warehousing leadership, and at the executive level across the USA for top retail brands. She's passionate about advancing all professionals in the world of business and giving back to others. She serves as a member of Next Up, uh, Advancing Women in Business, and is also a mentor of American Corporate Partners, supporting veterans as they transition from their military service to the corporate world. So welcome, Jen and Kathy. Thank you, Lynn. It's awesome to be here. And there's a lot to talk about in this space. You know, as over the past few years, we've had, uh, you know, essential workers, great resignation, great resets, uh, help wanted signs everywhere last year with such tight markets. And now we're having more wrinkles that we don't necessarily want uh, in the job market and the overall economy. Right. So it's it's been it's been a time. So this is a question for both of you. And Jen, I'll start with you. How would you describe the current state of the labor market in grocery? even compared to last year? Yes. Um, Thanks for the easy question first, Lynn. (laughs) No, just kidding. Um, I think when I think of the labor market for retail in general and and groceries specifically, the word that comes to mind that isn't new that I think has always been there is complex. The -hmm. business is complex. The labor market is complex. And what I mean by that is as mentioned, and as you both know well, um, there are store operations everything from associates to leadership. There's distribution associate to leadership. There is 
every corporate team that supports both of those teams. And then there are vendor partner relationships that really run deep in the grocery space. And so when you think of the labor market, it's actually, it's really tough to come up with one common thread because you're really looking at multiple labor markets and multiple uh, levels of leadership and experience in all of those labor markets. Um, But what I will say, I think is a common thread between all of those is in 2023, what we are noticing is people are cautiously open to opportunity. Mm-hmm. Whereas before it was it was really tight, it was hard to get anyone's attention. Um, in 2023, what we're noticing is they're cautiously open to opportunity and they really need a big why if they're gonna make a switch. People are interested in stability. They're looking at the economic state that we're in right now. I think grocery has a lot of that why that they're looking for. Um, but it's our job to approach them and build a relationship with them and get that in front of them. And then they're very willing to talk. Um, but this this candidate market right now is not overly flashy about looking for a job either. They're not responding to all of the 57 job alerts that they get in their inbox every morning. Um, and honestly, I think there's some burnout of the way job posts and job boards are so full Um, but many of them are getting ghosted when they apply, right? So I think the candidate market is ready for more of a relationship and they're open, but they do have to be approached and they have to have that big why that we have in grocery. And I think we'll talk more about the business and what those whys are and what's really attractive about grocery to the industry. But that's what I'm seeing in the candidate market today. Great insights. And what about you, Kathy? Yeah, I I agree with Jen. Um, And as an employer, we really need to figure out the why um, and and share that. And in order to uh, attract and retain talent, sharing our story of the why they should be with us is is more important than ever. Um, What I will share is even after the great resignation, when people talk about people leaving the industry in 2022, even though we're seeing better turnover trends, uh, it's still such a tight competitive labor market in the retail industry. So, uh, you know, I did a little research around this topic and was reading a really interesting article that was written by the National Bureau of Economic Research that not only is there a reduction of people in the workforce after the pandemic, but also people are looking and seeking to reduce their working hours. So, you know, from March of 2021 to March of 2023, the average Hours of work have declined from 30.34.9 to 34.4 hours, which translates to a pretty significant number. It's actually 2.2 million fewer full-time equivalent workers uh, out there in the workforce right now. So that's actually added to the reduction in, in workforce is doubled the magnitude of the labor force decline. So with unemployment being low and open roles remaining high, it's really a tough market for grocery uh, retailers uh, to recruit and retain talent, um, especially in an industry that can be quite demanding. Do you think some of the reasons behind that are people want this work-life balance that we're seeing in other areas? What do you think are some of the reasons um, behind um, behind those numbers? Yeah, um, definitely a work-life balance. I think people are more open to searching for jobs that give them that work-life balance. And that's different for everybody. Um, You know, that image of finding the perfect balance between work and life. I think people are realizing there's just not that perfect equation. However, it's how you kind of go to work and, and approach your home life. 
I think people are seeing that, but also that we as an industry have to figure out how, especially in the store operations, mm-hmm. how we allow, especially for female leaders, for them to have that work-life balance, but then also have a lucrative career in the industry, which um, I think, you know, us as female leaders in the industry, paving the way and showing people that it can be done, uh, but also continuing to work together to figure out how we make it better for leaders um, in an industry that's kind of 24-7. So it is tough, and and we definitely have a challenge ahead of us. And Jen, um, before we get to the next question, you mentioned something about ghosting. Is is there a frustration sometimes among job seekers? I mean, we're not looking at all those big um, inboxes and alerts, and there's the issue of ghosting. What are some of the things that that you see going on behind that? There's there's ghosting in a lot of ways. Uh, ghosting is a common word in the recruiting world, right? And um, so I think people are ghosting interviews. Um, what we've seen over the past couple of years, less so this year, is people are even ghosting job offers, um, candidates, right? And so they've gone through two to three interviews, they've received a job offer, but they might have two or three others. And they're ghosting that job offer, which is something that did not happen previous to few years, right? Um, Like I said, I do believe that's decreasing in 2023. And we do a lot with our clients and in candidate communication to try to prevent that. Mm -hmm. But there's ghosting in that respect. Um, What I mentioned earlier was many candidates do feel that if they're out there applying to job boards, so many applications or resumes are in that job post, they're not hearing back from the employer. Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. those recruiting teams are overwhelmed too. do uh, corporate recruiting teams. My hat's off to them. They have more of a challenge than they've ever had before due to some of the numbers Kathy was sharing. Um, and so I think at times we're posting our jobs and we're wondering where the market is. Um, but there's a lot to get through just in what is your process and are you able to give the right attention to each of those people that did apply? And sometimes they're not a fit for that role, but could you have the conversation and build the relationship because maybe next year, or maybe there's a role at the corporate office they're a better fit for. Um, But again, capacity wise, um, and with the low margins that we run in grocery, there isn't always the right capacity to have those conversations. That's one thing that we can help with. Um, But I would say assessing if you're going to post that many jobs, are you able to give the attention to the candidate market that is interested? as they apply. Well, as you said, that word is complex (laughs) for a reason. The word is complex. It's very complex. It is. And Kathy, this question's for you. In light of this kind of labor situation, how has the giant company adjusted or changed its recruitment efforts to keep its stores staffed? And can you provide any examples? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a few examples externally and internally. So externally, we use um, social media more than ever before. So we're using platforms like LinkedIn, Glassdoor, Circa Jobs, and Handshake to help with our recruiting. Um, We've also expanded our internship program this year um, and increased our number of interns by 30%. So we've expanded the areas and functions in which we have interns. So currently, we have interns in pharmacy, operations, HR, AP, e-com, marketing, and merchandising and distribution. So really in every piece of our business, we, we have, uh, we're recruiting interns for that. Um, and our, we actually went and revamped our application process. Our old application process took 25 to 35 minutes. And we all know that people don't have the time or the attention span uh, to take 25 to 35 minutes to fill out an application. So we actually worked with a, a business 
vendor partner to get our application process to 7.5 minutes on average. So internally, we're actually doing something a little different this year. So we're shifting our traditional focus at store level from recruiting to retention. So our turnover numbers tell us that we can get them in the door. Um, so how do we get them when we get them? How do we keep them? So we're really investing this year in our strategic focus and uh, developed a, a really robust training program for our assistant store managers called LEAD. And we also are focusing on promotions and, you know, a happy number to report in 2022, we actually had more than 3,500 team members uh, who had earned promotions with us last year. So just really figuring out on how to keep them once they uh, get with us. And the other area is we have to figure out how we can operate more efficiently with a tighter labor market but also provide our customers with the same experience that they've grown accustomed to. So we've actually put together a pretty talented cross-functional team to figure out the future of work uh, and how we change the way we go to work. Well, and retention worked for you because you started in this industry when you were pretty young. Yes, yes. <laughs> to rethink it, right? You have to absolutely rethink it. And Jen, how is recruiting in the industry at all levels, like all the levels you mentioned, unique compared to other businesses? Yeah, um, so recruiting in, in retail is is crazy complex. I'll just use that word again, um, but we love it. I think it's a challenge that we love to solve and everyone in the space that has been here as long as, like you mentioned, Kathy's been here a long time. So it's a great place to be. Um, I think it's unique in terms of attracting talent for three key reasons that I'll go into um, because I don't want to spend two hours, right, talking through it, which I could. Um, <laughs> But one is the complexity of the business. Um, the second is the lower margins that we work within in the grocery space. And the third is really that critical mission that we have in grocery. Um, so I'll go into each of those a little bit. The first one, the complexity of the business, um, as I mentioned earlier, and as everyone here is well aware, right? But there's store operations, there's distribution, there's a, a myriad of corporate teams and different skill sets, and there's the vendor partnerships. There are more, but I'll stick with those four categories, right? Each of those categories needs to understand and collaborate with each of all of the others. And so I think the complexity of this retail business is tough when attracting talent because we might find a fantastic marketing uh, professional, right? But if that marketing professional doesn't understand or doesn't have the skill set to create marketing strategy that will work for the store level, that will work within the distribution center. How does it impact them and how they get the product to the stores, right? That will work with the vendor partners because there's a lot of collaboration there on the marketing side and also hit a budget. Um, it's not as simple as, hey, this is just an awesome strategy. Let's implement it tomorrow. I think in retail, things take time and a ton of cross-functional collaboration, which Kathy mentioned in her last answer as well. And when you're recruiting for that talent, Many people will say, hey, because of the complexity of the business, we need someone within that's been in retail before. And so there's a real challenge there saying, OK, how many of these individuals are in the retail space within your geographic market? And if they're not, if if they're willing to be creative, then we need to do our job um, and ask the right questions to say, how can you work cross-functionally? Give me examples of, of times when you've worked with other areas of the business 
to implement a program in an omni-channel approach. And that's, I mentioned marketing as an example, but it's the same for HR, right? Um, an HR policy is really simple if you have one stream of business, but it's a lot more complicated when you're recruiting for an HR professional that can understand a store associate and a VP of marketing and a distribution center team leader. Okay, those are all very different spaces that they're creating um, solutions for. So I think that's the first area that's a challenge is just the complexity of the business, asking the right questions, understanding whether they will not only survive, but thrive and be retained in this type of complex business. Um, and then the second being lower margins, I think of it as I call them fluffy jobs. Um, grocery doesn't have room for fluffy jobs, right? We operate on low margins. Everyone on every team needs to be productive. They need to understand how to produce results individually, but also get results out of their team and real results. Um, and then we need to work on work-life balance. <laughs> so there's not a lot of room there. Um, as Kathy said, it's a real challenge to retain in this world where flexibility is something we're working on and we have those lower margins to work within. So everyone that we're recruiting really has to be, in my opinion, top talent, um, if they're gonna succeed and really contribute in this grocery space. Um, and the critical piece of the mission, what I mean by that is, you know, eggs, eggs are expensive, right? So in grocery, we can't just discontinue that skew. We don't just say, eh, not working for us. I think we just won't have eggs on the shelf. We have to have, and we have to recruit and find talent that has the ingenuity and the resilience to keep showing up and say, how many other suppliers should we be working with? How many backup suppliers do we need? How can we get eggs on the shelf, keep them at a price that is good for our customers, still hit our budget, and we already had low margins, right? This is a challenging space. And I mean, I, for one, think it's super fun, um, but it's only super fun if you're the right individual that likes to be challenged in that way. And we don't get to, if, if you're thinking of retail and other spaces, again, just discontinue that piece of clothing because we can't find the right vendors. We have to continue to show up for our customers and put food on their tables. So there's a real resiliency that we're always looking for. And it served the industry so well over the past few years, that yeah. several years, the history of it. Um, Kathy, we talked about retention. So how do benefits play into that? And how are the benefits that people are looking for now maybe different than they were in the past, whether it's mental health support, family care, education reimbursement? And how have you guys responded to that? Um, yeah, this is a great question. I probably could go on and on about this. So I'll really <laughs> try not to. But um, so at the giant company, we're really grounded in the purpose of connecting families for a better future. Uh, but this is also true for families we serve and our communities, but for the family of the team members that we're proud to call our own. So team members are really looking for more, uh, more looking for more from their employers than ever before. So, I, you know, when I'm in stores, I often hear store manager, store managers share with me that when they're interacting with their team members, team members are sharing more now than they ever have before. Um, they're more open uh, with things that are impacting them at work, but also outside of work. And they're looking for a place to find support and belonging. Uh, so we really recognize that and we strive to provide that for them. Uh, we really realize, we understand the benefit space is always changing. Um, so we continue to make street strategic investments in our design uh, to make sure that we provide competitive, high quality health benefits to our team members at sustainable rates. That's, you know, really important. So, uh, you know, every year we look um, 
to expand those uh, rewards uh, to provide you know additional benefits that they're seeking. So recently, we've really leaned heavily into our elevating our wellness programs uh, with an increased focus on mental health. I think more now, you know that's more important now than ever. Um, and really investing in that wellness space allows us to make a larger impact because we can actually reach team members that not, are not enrolled in our benefit program or enrolled. So, you know, in that mental health wellness space, whether you're enrolled in our benefits or not, you have access to these programs, which I think is a huge win for us. Um, so we provide stress and mindfulness programs through our wellness partners. A few of those partners are Magellan, BetterHelp, uh, Capital Blue Cross, uh, Health Advocate, um, and we also continue to amplify our EAP program, and that is one of the, uh, our top priorities in our health and wellness space. Another area where we provided additional benefits is we actually implemented a sabbatical program for leaders. Uh, I actually had the priv privilege of piloting that last year. Um, and I was excited to share that actually came to fruition for the entire brand, uh, for leaders in our company. Uh, and what we encourage is for our leaders to journey uh, to engage their mind and body uh, by combining life goals with our purpose, a company purpose and our team promises. Um, you know, and they can take four weeks off uh, and then come back and share with us what they did and how they did, you know, intertwine those two things. Um, we're actually really excited that a lot of our leaders are taking this opportunity. I think at first it was a slow start, um, you know, because as leaders, we are like, we can't leave, you know, we don't want to walk away from the business. You know, we have that guilty complex. Um, but by encouraging top leaders to do it, we're finding that, you know, the store managers and category managers are finding comfort in doing it because their leaders are doing it. So uh, that that's a real benefit that we're really proud of that we've implemented. Uh, we also have the take care. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. So we also have the take care fund, which we've Im implemented where team members actually can contribute uh, from their paychecks. Uh, and we actually currently have 1400 team members contributing into that fund, uh, which supported in 2022, 147 team members when they were, you know, had extraordinary personal tragedy or sudden hardship, we were able to support those team members. Uh, so even our teams are lifting up each other as needed. Uh, I could I could certainly go into many different other things that we've developed. We have compassionate conversations. Uh, we realize that our team members desire psychological safety. Uh, so we we create a safe space to listen. I know we have our leaders listen to the team members and then we actually act upon them. So last year, we really heard about safety, um, team member safety. So, you know, this year we've invested in de-escalation training. Uh, we actually put together a cross-functional crisis management team. And we also had a technology that allows recovery of stolen product without team member engagement. Uh, so we're definitely, you know, we're listening and we're looking at all different ways that we can, you know, invest in benefits and team member wellness. And it sounds like you have high levels in, of engagement, which is fantastic. You can roll these things out and then who engages them. It sounds like you have it across the board at all these different, of all these different levels. And 
we talk about um, people taking advantage of it and we see it across all demographics, but Gen Z and the younger millennials in particular um, are really interested in these kinds of things. And Jen, what are some ways to engage younger women in the industry, including Gen Z, to retain them? This goes a long way in doing that, but what are some other ways that we can get people in when they're 16 um, and then keep them all the way through for, for careers to help us off? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a big focus right now is how do we make grocery, uh, I'm going to use the word sexy, uh, but we've always said like grocery isn't sexy, it isn't Google, right? Um, But how do we actually share the parts that are really exciting? It's evolving uh, with Gen Z and get them intrigued and interested and into the industry because we know if we get them into the industry and companies are doing what Kathy and her team are doing in terms of retention, then there's such a large runway for opportunities and growth um, once they're in and um, show that resiliency and produce those results. So I think some things to keep in mind are Gen Z really values transparency. Um, They really value that authentic story and that transparency. And I think the latest numbers I've seen are something like 25 or 26% of Gen Z would actually trust a brand based on a paid celebrity or paid spokesperson. And the rest of them are looking for real testimony, real stories. And so from my perspective, in attracting those Gen Z, you have to really think about how are you getting out the stories of the individuals you already have on your teams? Um, Again, the people like Kathy that can share her story in a real transparent way, not a fluffy, I'm going to use that word again, uh, um, highlight reel, but can we get some transparency in showing the women that are on our teams today, where they started, how they've grown, what's been invested in them, the fact that there's a sabbatical program. Those are things that grocery never has been known for. Um, People don't think of, right? And so I think that transparency, when you show up on your social channels, when you show up in your employment brand campaigns, but even more so, even simpler, Who do you have showing up to your interviews? Um, Who do you have showing up to college campuses? Who do you have showing up to high school campuses? Um, And because some people do their job really well and they're a killer part of our team, but do they show up and do they share passion for the business? Are they actually excited? Because if we can't teach them and show them um, through the way we're passionate about our work and what we're doing, then they they aren't going to see that passion and, and be intrigued because they're looking for that transparent story. The other thing Gen Z is looking for, and I think this is this really contradicts what sort of their reputation is, um, is they're looking for meaningful work. So I think a lot of us are like, oh, dang it, that Gen Z group <laughs> is coming in and they just use Alexa for everything, right? Um, well, they're resourceful and they're going to use the, resor- the resources that are available to them. But the studies show they're looking for meaningful work. And grocery has meaningful work. Again, we're not going to put them in a role where it's like just just watch this and give us a slideshow in three months. We're going to have real work for them to do, jump in, interact with customers, interact with vendors, um, provide real results, whether it's an internship or an entry-level role. And that's that. those are things that, again, if we can get it in front of them, if we can show them the meaningful work they could contribute to and the cool stuff we're doing in grocery retail. So again, this is not just getting products on the shelf. While that is still an integral part of what we do, 
We're talking about uh, retail media networks. We're talking about e-commerce. We're talking about robots that can scan inventory in the back rooms, right? There's so many pieces of this business that we could share that would intrigue them and interest them um, and let them know that there's an opportunity to come in and grocery. I'm just going to say it. I said it. I actually just made a post this week, but grocery is sexy in 2020. We're just not sharing those stories with the younger generation. And they're not sitting at home on their couch thinking, I think I want to work for a grocery store one day. Right. That's not that's not generally what they're thinking. I didn't ever think that. Um, but once I got started and once I saw the opportunity, I was intrigued. And here I am still serving the industry. And it's exa- and it, that's exactly true. When you're in it, you do have such a passion for it. And, mm-hmm. it, and that doesn't just and that's not automatic for a lot of us in this industry who grew up in this industry and have been in this industry, you know, it's something that's, that's you see once you're in it and telling young people that not only they can get in it, but they can move around all these different areas. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think that's sexy too, that they can find. Yes, we never in the word. That's right. We're bring sexy back into this. Yeah. Industry. <laughs> and, and talking about passion in the industry, Kathy, um, you obviously have that passion, but are there some mentors that helped shape your career and, and your the way you've been able to do your job in the function and within the organization? Absolutely. So throughout my the many iterations that I've of moments I've had in my career, I've had many mentors and sponsors throughout all of that. And each and each and every single one of them were different. Uh, you know, kind of correlated with the space I was in my current career at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, And they've all had a profound impact on my career. But I really think back to one specific one. And I really like how Jen spoke about transparency Mm -hmm. and vulnerability. Um, It wasn't always easy. And especially for a female leader coming up through the industry at such an early age that I was, uh, it wasn't easy. But I had that, I had one, I'll never forget, one store manager. I had, it was early on in my salary management career. I spent three years as the customer experience manager. So that's, you know, where a female leader fit at the time. Um, You know, it was the front end and and the gas station and pricing and cash office. So that's what I was overseeing. And and my district manager saw something in me and was like, we're going to cross train you into the grocery manager role. Mm -hmm. Um, So when that happened, uh, I arrived at the store it was during the fourth quarter and no, you know, and there was a lot of hesitation about having a female grocery manager in the fourth quarter um, at a high volume store, you know? So I went into it, you know, and I actually put all my blood, sweat and tears into it. And a year later, uh, you know, I was successful. I, you know, proved a lot of people uh, maybe wrong that didn't think that it was going to happen. Um, and about a year later, I got promoted again into an assistant, you know, manager of Fresh. And when the district manager came into the office, my mentor, the store manager, was in there with me. And they they were so excited to share the news. And when they shared it with me, I said, can you please not tell anybody? Uh, I'd like to keep I'd like to keep it, you know, private until it actually happens. And, you know, the district manager kind of looked at me and was like, yeah, fine, it's fine. And he left. And my store manager asked me why. And I said, listen, I got so much um, doubt when I went from the assistant store manager role of customer experience into that grocery manager role that I, I don't, I really don't want to hear about it again or have to go through that again. So if we could just minimize the time and just put me into it, I don't know why I asked to keep it a secret. I should have been shouting from the rooftops that, hey, I did it. I conquered it. 
Uh, but that mentor said to me, Kathy, people may say that you get promoted for many different reasons or that you didn't deserve it or you can't do it. Um, but in each of those moments, you've never fallen on your face and you will, you know, you, when you fall flat, when you get promoted because you don't deserve it or you can't, or you're not capable, you'll fall flat, but you didn't and you won't. So you should be proud of that. And I really took that with me, um, and really tried to share that with other leaders in the organization because we can be hard on ourselves and, and our peers can be hard on us too. Um, so just being confident and proud and not having that imposter syndrome, which I have felt, um, that mentor really helped me out of that, out of that space and really helped me, you know, own the fact that I did it because I was capable. So I really, you know, I think back on that and I try to pass that on. Um, yeah. Now, currently, I, I see my role uh, really being important for many different things in the HR space, you know, my role influ influences many things, you know, the EVP, team member life cycle, succession planning, all these things, pay equity, my role influences all that. But really my, what I see my role being important for our brand and also for the females in our industry is providing that mentorship and sponsor sponsorship and paying it forward. I really am a firm believer in the saying that empowered women empower other women. And I really take that responsibility seriously. So um, I really try to pay that forward. Well, that's fantastic. And that kind of brings it back to everything we originally talked about in terms of recruitment, retention, feeling good and making others feel good and empowered. So that's great. And somewhere, some way, someone that you mentored is now mentoring somebody else. So it just, it just keeps going. And we opened this talking about challenges over the past few years. And so I think we'll close it, Jen, talking about how we can turn those challenges into strengths and points of difference um, for the industry and for women who are in our industry who've made great things happen. So do you have any thoughts on that as we uh, kind of finish our discussion today? Yeah. Um, and I'll keep it pretty brief because I do think we've hit on a lot of these points um, throughout our conversation. But I think the challenges over the last few years, the pandemic, the supply chain issues, now the economic world we're living in, and the supply chain issues aren't aren't over. Uh, they're still coming. We, we know that. We've seen that. And challenges don't go away, right? They change. I think there have always been and there will always be challenges in the grocery space. Um I think the way we turn that into a strength and the way that we have really allowed women to grow through those challenges is we keep showing up. Um, we keep becoming more and more um, agile in how quickly we can change and evolve and serve our customers differently. I mean, it's important to note um, when your question, Lynn, is about how we continue to um how women have really become the backbone of the grocery industry or how important it is to have women in the right seats in the business. It's important to note that over 60% of the individuals that consider themselves the primary grocery shopper in a household are women. And so understanding from a closer place of um, how to serve those women, what's convenient for those women, what those women want, need, and desire in their everyday shopping experience and beyond is so important. And handling the challenges of the last few years and moving forward, the fact that we've been so resilient, the fact that I know when I'm working with my clients, we're talking about the fact that not only did they keep showing up, not only did they not even have hiring freezes during the pandemic, they actually needed more people. Uh, they grew 
through the supply chain issues, you still have eggs and bananas on the shelf, right? Um, but the fact that they keep showing up, it is really a strength of this industry. And I'm getting more and more pings from people in retail outside of grocery saying, I'm interested in making a switch into grocery because not every retail um, space right now can say that. We're seeing bankruptcies. We're seeing uh, people that, you know, they might have higher margins, but maybe they haven't been as smart about the way they've built and grown and scaled their businesses. Um, it's truly a strength. And I don't think we can show up and sell it enough that it's a stable uh, space. People always need their groceries. Do they need them in new and different ways? Yes, but we've shown up and we've created that. We're getting them delivered. We've got every option you can think of to get your groceries to your door. Um, I think that's really cool. And we need to continue to understand that the way we've addressed those challenges is a strength and will continue to be because we don't have that option of not showing up. You know, we're going to keep opening our doors both in the digital space and the physical spaces. Well, and that's a great point to bring it right back to the consumers that, that, that we serve every day. So that's a great point. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like we could go on for another hour. What do you think? <laughs> we will later over coffee. Or something yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. Thank you both for joining us today. This was a great conversation and you lent so much expertise and insight to it. So we appreciate your time. For more information about Top Women in Grocery podcast, visit progressivegrocery.com backslash podcast. You can also subscribe to the series wherever you typically listen to podcasts on Apple, Google, and Spotify. And if you have an idea for a Twig podcast like Jen did, um, we really want to hear from you. So please feel free to email me at lptrak, P-E-T-R-A-K at ensembleiq.com.